Hello and welcome. I'm Agrita Dandrell and you're listening to the Mind Full of Everything podcast, which calls for revolutionary healing of self and community in order to outgrow neo-individualistic cultures which work to disempower communities so that we can collectively re-envision a safer, healthier and equitable world. Today we're joined by Sarah Poet. These words and concepts are tools toward what I call unification, toward more togetherness, more connection. Because when we stop creating such a binary with our limited definitions of like, well, this means man, this means woman, and we have to stop equating masculine with man and feminine with woman. And, you know, it's happening. It is all happening. Like, we, we are figuring this out. I trust we are going to figure this out. <laughs> and we, like, I see the younger generations as leaders. There, there's such a shift that's happening and, like, reprioritization. And I think that, well, this is just, like, one opinion from little old me. It's like, yeah, help us to say that gender stereotypes that like have existed in patriarchy and and have been like set by industrialism and religion, like help us to deconstruct that. Sarah is a truth seeker, thought leader, former school creator turned feminine and masculine integration expert, and as it turns out, a medicine woman for modern times. It is Sarah's mission to serve the true evolution of human consciousness, to integrate feminine and masculine on all levels, and to bridge us collectively from separation to connection, unity, and wholeness. Sarah helps couples, individuals, and organizations heal the separation traumas inflicted by patriarchal culture and come into deeper connection via integrity, embodied intimacy, resiliency, authenticity, and love. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. It's really amazing to have you here today. Hi, Greta. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone listening. To let everyone listening uh, know, I've actually had Sarah on my list of people to contact to come onto this space since summer. And I have finally gotten the chance to bring you on here and to talk to you. So I'm very, very grateful for you to give this time to us. And Another exciting thing is that the episode is going to take a slightly different structure. So usually I would lead the breathing exercise for every episode. But this time we're going to have Sarah lead this breathing meditative practice for this episode. I'm very excited for that, Sarah. So thank you for accepting my um, invitation for that. Yes, my pleasure. So good to be here with, with you. And so should we go ahead and get started with that now? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In your time. Yeah. Wonderful. So I am going to close my eyes. I'm going to invite listeners if it is safe for you to do so, if you're still and you can and want to close your eyes or just pick a focal point in front of you and put the hands on the body. So maybe like one on the belly, one on the heart, just allowing yourself a pause a pause in the day, a pause in the movement, the forward momentum that is so often life. You're noticing your feet on the floor and noticing your spine erect like this central column of your body it's connected to the earth, connected to the spirit realms above. And beyond that, I'd like to invite a consciousness towards source connection above. Connecting vertically to source in that mind's eye or that, you know, your imagination. Your imagination is so powerful. It's like, I would like to connect to my source connection, you know, and then so it is. So just calling that in, attuning to that source energy in your central column down through your head, through your spine through your root, your legs, and then attuning to the earth connection below. You want to go to the heart of the earth. Just attuning to what that frequency might feel like and noticing that you are in the middle. 
we have like the heart of the earth, I like to say, heart of self, heart of source. And then attuning your breath while connecting to all three of those. How does the breath feel different if you notice the length and robustness of this central column, this source connection, this heart connection, this earth connection? How do you breathe differently when you attune to that? You can even invite in that, like the energy of that heart of the earth, heart of source connection, invite that energy into this space around the body, invite it into your own heart. These are resources that you can call on. It gives you more energy than you had before. That might be one experience that you're having but any experience that you're having is absolutely welcome. Notice as you attune to this, if, if you sense even more life force, noticing how robust your breath can be in the body maybe circulating that, maybe even adding some circular movements to the body, kind of mixing, circulating this energy. Maybe perhaps rolling the shoulders, rolling the neck. Breathing in deeply and exhaling fully. Arriving in this moment. Noticing how you may feel more like yourself than when you started and knowing that this is here for you at any time. Mm, thank you, Amita. Agrita, I'm sorry. Agrita, I was like in the meditation space and said the wrong name. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. That was amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. I totally appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners now feel a sense of calm as we enter into a topic that perhaps is sensitive for you or for me or for people listening. So I always love to do practices like this to help us slow down and to prepare ourselves for what is lying ahead. So thank yeah. you so much for that. Yeah, it's interesting. I have some like anticipation coming up in my body and my experience right now because I'm like, you know, where are these questions going to be that, that we might have this like a, adverse reaction to? So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for naming that so that we can hold that in this space. And, um, you know, the way I sort of led that little mini uh, meditation there was just slightly esoteric, right? And just, mm -hmm. you know, stating though that the foundation is the breath in the body. And, you know, Absolutely. like feeling the feet on the floor, the butt in the chair, like these are the things that are like bringing our nervous system back to, um, back to regulation so that, you know, we can, we can traverse anything, which is like the, the basis of connection that, um, yeah, we're, we're remembering now. So I do have faith that we can traverse whatever arises in this <laughs> conversation <laughs> in a way that. Um, you know, is hopefully just not necessary. Like not every conversation has to be safe. I don't think because like we're walking edges, right? And so there might be something that feels unsafe mm -hmm. and we can continue to come back to our body, come back to our present experience and just have the experience that we're having. And, um, and, and yeah, we can traverse these things. So. Absolutely. And if there's anything that you feel that perhaps is, dipping into areas that you are not as comfortable um, talking about or if there's something you'd want me to rephrase then please do be open with that because Absolutely. I see these conversations as conversations and not interviews just for you know the podcast and for the space I've created 
um it's totally not extractive so yeah yeah thank you thank you for voicing that yes so just to start off the conversation Sarah I would love to hear and the audience would love to hear how you came about into this space of coaching around energy healing but also just creating the embodied breath that you have this space that you've created so was there a particular thing that perhaps called you into that space or yeah that's a really big question um first when I hear you say coaching and energy healing I don't necessarily exactly relate to either of those words you know like being an edge walker um and leaving like a very <laughs> very explainable career so I was a um a, a school educator and teacher and a school creator and a school principal um, for 15 years. And so I, I had that career and then there was the soul calling and I was really very intrigued by feminine and masculine. And that was specifically a part of my spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Although when I was in this like high performing career, it was more like a, a grappling with, um, you know, the things that were inherently feminine, like, intuition and like going with the gut feelings and wanting to make decisions through consensus and wanting to, you know, instead of like discipline, I wanted to build relationships and, and like, you know, really work with things holistically. Mm -hmm. And so I was um, innovative in that space and some of it was welcome and some of it wasn't. And then, you know, it was really like, it was time for me to um, jump <laughs> into like a, a coaching practice. And that's what I knew to call it at the time, I would say. And this was like 2017. Um, and I thought, you know, that I would be working with women and moms and um, in, in a trauma-informed way, because I was doing a lot of like trauma study and trauma-informed um practices and education, you know, such as mindfulness and those kinds of things. And, you know, it was like one, the the word I'll use is initiation, you know, where like, you feel called to do something, but then uh, maybe it doesn't go as easily as you thought it would, or there's like something that you have to look at. It was really one after the other after the other. And so the way I would describe that is that it was like a very fast soul path of like remembering. And I think that we we incarnate, you know, with so much more information inside of us than we know. And then our modern school system and just the the industrial world and the way that it has been and the separation, you know, culture or separation matrix, I'll say, um, just, you know, we forget our source connection. We forget that we are these infinite creator beings. And um, so I started a podcast in um, late 2019 called Sacred Remembering, because it was it was this journey of remembering. And I was doing all of these things that, you know, when I was still even a teacher, I started taking Reiki classes, because I was like, called to no energy work or energy healing. And you know, we find what we find or like what's available or what certifications are available, like the, you know, the cookie cutter things. And so I did a couple of cookie cutter trainings. And then what happened was that my inner remembering took over. And then it was like, I was knowing things that it, like I, I didn't even know how I was knowing things. And so, you know, and then it's like, well, what do you call that? Like, am I an energy healer? Yeah. Um, I help people's energy reorganize. Yeah. I help massive amounts of old energy leave the field. I help people to reconnect to their soul. I help people like build soul-led businesses. Um, I help couples, you know, get out of trauma bonding and learn to connect more consciously. So I I do a lot of things and I don't know that there's like a, a word for it. You know, um, sometimes I describe myself, and I think this is like on my homepage on my website as a modern day medicine woman. And really, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and so I continue to live in this rather, I think it's still strange, 
way of living of really following the soul's path and um you know following the the intuitions that feel like directions you know and then and i keep creating like mm-hmm. sometimes when i'd like to get comfortable you know things are like actually <laughs> now it's time for the next thing yes i hope that answers your question yeah absolutely that's some of the story <laughs> to be honest when i um first discovered you i was thinking the exact same thing Sarah has done so many different things. What could I begin the conversation with? And I think that just shows the beauty of multidimensionality of human beings or even the more than human world as well. So yeah, it's great that you could tune into all the different dimensions of yourself and you're doing the work that you're doing today. Specifically talking about the feminine and masculine, because that is kind of like the focus of the episode today and um it's the reason why I reached out to you it's the area I've been um interested and intrigued in for very long you talk about reclaiming the sacred masculine and feminine and how these two archetypes are foundational in our lives so what do you think these archetypes are and how are they foundational to our lives in what sort of ways are they foundational. Thank you. Yeah. Well, they're everything. (laughs) (laughs) They're everything. So everything is energy and all energy to, to me, the way I describe that is, you know, made of like a feminine energy and a masculine energy. Mm -hmm. Feminine energy is, I'm, I'm explaining pretty big concepts, you know, and trying to like I always try to pare things down and like draw maps for people, right? And so yeah. the the feminine energy is receptive, is you know the vessel, the the magnetism, the thing that attracts, right? And then the masculine energy is I see it as like light or consciousness. It is the thing that penetrates. It is the you know the the electrification like force of creation. So we have an electrification and we have a mag- magnification. And those two, when when paired, you know that's creation. That's like the sperm and the egg. That's that's like how creation magnetizes and and electrifies and forms like the third thing, the creation. And so that's one thing that I am talking more about lately is like when we're talking about feminine and masculine and it sounds like we're talking about two things and these polarities and then kind of in the spiritual coaching realm as as like the collective tries to figure these things out we start to try to label well is this feminine is this masculine or you know uh, for example i hear things like is provision just masculine or is money just a masculine force? You know, like people trying to kind of assign things like this. And it's like, well, let's remember that creation happens when these two come together. And then the third thing is born, right? Like the third energetic is created. And so that's where I think I'd like to start, which is a really big concept. But you asked about the archetypes, like the archetypes as we relate to them as humans. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think you've listened to my TEDx. There's my TEDx is linked at sarahpoet.com. And that's really about the inner reclamation journey. This, you know, which I mentioned earlier, being a school principal, and then realizing, you know what, there's this thing called the feminine, and I'm going to walk toward it. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to remember this essence. And as it lives in me, and I had had two children by that, Point. Like my body knew how to grow children and birth, but I, I was disconnected from like, what is feminine? What is the divine mother? What is like the true like nurturance of, and this creation capacity of the universe? I, I wanted to know it and I wanted it to have a rightful place in my life and in work. And so eventually in that awakening, and it really didn't take too long, like probably two years or less from probably 2015 on, maybe 2014 on, it was 13, 14. I'm like, what what year is this? But like, from the time I started to kind of like ask myself these questions to actually leaving like the modern day, you know, workplace as it as I had experienced it to that point, it was like a, you know, two, two and a half year journey where 
really, it was like, this just can't stand anymore. Like, I just can't participate in this anymore. And I, I really walked toward that reclamation journey. So I want to talk more about the archetypes, but I'll offer that if there are any, um, anyone listening who wants it, I created this like huge 77 page ebook and it's written for women and it's called the modern women's guide to reunification of feminine and masculine or something like that. And it's at sarahpoet.com. And I'm happy to gift it to listeners with, you can use the code remembering now, remembering now. And I think that that's helpful because as we start to recall and reclaim these archetypes in our lives, first, there's generally, and I'm speaking as like a, a female identifying person, there's a reclamation of the feminine that usually happens first in a female identifying person, where it's like, holy, this was oppressed, this feminine archetype was oppressed. And here I am, you know, using a lot of masculine energy to succeed, because that's what the world has been built on. And then there's this, there's a lot that needs to be reclaimed. You know, there's, there's a lot of remembering and healing the body and healing, you know, all of those parts that were, um, you know, told that they couldn't exist at the table, like all, all of those kinds of things, right? And that's been awesome. This is like my perspective on what has been happening in the collective. Like there's been a lot of that among women. I think there's been more examples of women reclaiming the feminine mm-hmm. than there has been of men reclaiming masculinity, although that is happening too. But then there's this really cool thing <laughs> where I, so I'm the mother of a son and I have a woman who's had a lot of experiences with, you know, a dark masculine energy or like a, you know, unhealthy masculine energy, a patriarchal masculine energy, domination. Um, all of that is not does not define masculine, but my experience with what masculine had been, you know, needed some healing. And so I had done so much feminine reclamation. And then, you know, I was almost like ready to rest. And then (laughs) the divine guidance was really like, and now you have to reclaim masculine also. And I was really surprised by that on my path. And it felt like oh my gosh, my soul came to the earth to remember this because we as women, and I'll I'll get out of the binary in a minute, but um, we as women like have to reclaim a healthy relationship with the masculine and it starts in us. And so I, that's the topic of the TEDx is like, these are both inside of us, both of these. And so I, I kind of break it down conceptually in three ways. And I say, okay, we have an inner relationship with feminine masculine. And then we have these, we can use the word polarities, like these polarities come up in relationship. So I can have a relationship with like external, you know, feminine and masculine in another human and watch how these polarities play out in that and be intentional about that. And then we also have feminine and masculine relationship with the divine. So within, with one another, and with the divine. And that is what a lot of my my work with people and my work with women has been about is to embrace these archetypes on all three levels. And so regardless of gender, you know, even like gender non-conforming and and non-binary friends, like I've had really great conversations about integrating internal feminine and masculine. Um, and to me, that's been the spiritual path because we hear things like unity consciousness or the unified field. Well, it's like, well, what does that mean? And to me, this is how I can map it. You know, it is like, well, when we embrace these archetypes within, and I'm also talking about healing trauma in that relationship, like getting into right relationship with our inner feminine, inner masculine, and then healing the trauma wounds in our external relationships, right? And then healing the trauma that we have with the divine. 
And we have a lot of trauma with the divine because in patriarchy, God was supposedly a man and who knows where the divine feminine went for most people, like for thousands of years, right? And so it's like we're recovering and reclaiming and reinstating that as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the energy comes in. Like the, you know, if there's a energy healing, it's like, there's actually an energetic template all around our body that is, you know, made of these energies, essentially. And so as we, I'll say resurrect, which is a really fun word to use, like resurrect these healthy energetics, we're actually building the energetic template, or like the, the um, light body, you know, around our bodies that connects us to the source field. And that's what unifying really is like that's what touching unity consciousness is you know it's like a really nice buzz phrase and hashtag but like what actually is it well it's anchoring in these you know feminine and masculine um, archetypes and templates like way beyond the psychology of them way beyond yeah like just the earthly realm and into actually unifying them within us that was a huge answer (laughs) no it was it was perfect thank you so much for that Sarah I think it just leads on to the next part of the conversation which is around concerns and perhaps fears of the masculine and feminine and how we conceptualize it how we understand it to be perpetuating the gender binary I think that's one of the main concerns people can have around these potentials or these energies. So I would just love to hear your thoughts around that and how we can see the masculine and the feminine as more than a binary um, and perhaps a spectrum or interlocking sort of energy fields, however we want to see it, but seeing it as going beyond that gender binary. How can we begin to interpret it in that way. Absolutely. Thanks for the question. And I do, I want to name that there's, there's like a generational difference, you know, like there's one generation probably between you and I, Um, my daughter's actually 22. So, (laughs) and, and I'm 41. And so um, most of my clients are female identifying or male identifying people who want to do this work of like, how do I get right with the feminine and masculine inside of me mm-hmm. so that I stop projecting onto, you know, my partner or like, so I can stop being mad at God or religion or, I mean, really big questions, right? And so that is usually the conversation that I'm having. I think there are others that can have this, that can answer this question probably better than I can, but I'll give a, <laughs> I'll like give it, um, give it a try. So this was a concern of mine when I did the TEDx and I was preparing for that in 2019. And I reached out to um, a non-binary friend of mine and I said, you know, help me to like address this. And they actually, we had a previous relationship and, and they said, you know, this is the conversation that we all need to be having. Like, thank you for having it. Mm -hmm. And because it's empowering to understand these things, that's my opinion, because I think we need to take back feminine and masculine from the gender binary. Absolutely. Because like, (laughs) when I think of the stereotype of the modern woman or the modern man, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that conversation, yeah. you know, that conversation about the the gender stereotypes. And I think that's collectively what we are trying to get away from, mm-hmm. you know, and we're doing that in different ways in the collective. You know, we're we're redefining it. Some are saying, I don't want a binary at all. You know, some are like having this journey internally of integrating and being like, well, my inner feminine does this and my inner masculine does this. And sometimes they're in a good relationship or a healthy, you know, healthy relationship. And sometimes like, like I'm still getting right with myself, 
You know, <laughs> I'm yeah. about to um, open an annual container that I hold called Structure and Flow. And that's what it's about. Like it's it's an offering for modern women around like time and energy and how we give that or, you know, or do we self-sacrifice those kinds of things. And we're looking at our inner feminine and masculine. And like, that's the conversation that we're having. So I like to think that this is an empowering conversation. Now, I guess two things. I, I want to share an example of actually how I addressed this when I was in my last job as a um, school teacher and creator. And, you know, and then I'll also say <laughs> that I have a f- almost 14 year old son and he'll talk with me about feminine and masculine, but he's like, mom, my friends don't want to talk about feminine and masculine. Like, and please don't talk to them about feminine and masculine. Like they, you know, want to like be gender fluid. Right. And so there's, I, I don't like, butt my nose where it, where it doesn't belong about this conversation. But a few years ago, probably oof, like six, seven years ago now, I was working in a school and we had created the school. So it was really small and we didn't have a lot of staff. So I was like school leader, but I was also teaching a couple of classes and the way that I really like to do education is to teach in units where we like, we're studying a topic, but then we study every subject like related to that topic. So I was working with um, a population that had high functioning autism, like individuals on the autistic spectrum. And individuals with autism actually they they have a really there's a really high statistical rate of like gender changes with individuals on the spectrum because like stereotypical like black and white thinking you know people might associate I mean all of this is much bigger than than I have time for right now but so there's just this like you know wanting to understand the world in like a black and white way kind of thing Mm -hmm. and obviously this topic is not black and white. So the topic that we chose, and and at this time, National Geographic put out an entire issue about gender and kids. And so, you know, National Geographic gives like graphs and stats and, you know, and, and so in my small population of students, there was probably like 10 students at the time, all were born male. And three of them wanted sex changes, because they were like, I don't like what man means. And so therefore I don't want to be it. Okay. So there was this like really stark kind of black and white thinking of this doesn't work for me. And maybe they had an abusive father or, you know, their mother was mistreated by their father or things like that. And so the definition of man and masculine that they had, they were like, I don't want to be that. And so therefore I want to, I want to switch. And so what we did was we studied this from all angles and we read a book about it in language arts and we studied the social studies and we like looked at all of the different kinds of, you know, identifications and fluidity. And on the like whiteboard, I drew a spectrum and I started to share about feminine and masculine. And I was like, so this spectrum exists in every single human, like all of us. And so maybe, you know, Johnny you like have male body parts, but maybe you feel really feminine in, you know, how you want to dress. And when I could give them that like visual and that conceptualization, um, they were like, oh, I get to, I get to do all this as I am. Like, I just get to be me. And I'm like, you just get to be you. Like, you just get to be you. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I share that to say that these words and concepts are tools toward what I call unification, mm-hmm. toward more togetherness, more connection. Because when we stop creating such a binary with our limited definitions of like, well, this means man, this means woman, and we have to stop equating masculine with man and feminine with woman. And, you know, it's happening. Yeah, it is all happening. Like we we are figuring this out. I trust we are going to figure this out. <laughs> and we, like, I see the younger generations as leaders, you know, help. <laughs> there, there's such a shift that's happening and like reprioritization. And I think that 
well, this is just like one opinion from little me. It's like, yeah, help us to say that gender stereotypes that like have existed in patriarchy and, and have been like set by industrialism and religion, like help us to deconstruct that. Like, please, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. Beautiful. Needed. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I just want to go back to the point where you mentioned how we need to stop associating the masculine with men and the feminine with women. And in your TEDx talk, which again, I highly recommend everyone listens to. Um, it was it was such a beautiful moment for me to listen to that. You very beautifully showed differences between, or at least you presented the masculine sort of traits and the feminine traits um, in one of your slides. And you were showing a slight comparison between the two. So just to give um, some examples, logic compared to intuition. And structure compared to fluidity, where structure would be more masculine or logic would be more masculine and the feminine would be the fluidity and the intuition. And I found it very powerful to see it that way. But someone might see that and think, well, these are the traits we assign to women. Women get to be fluid or women get to, you know, have that intuition and to go with their gut feeling, whereas men think more logically or they bring more structure to our lives. And again, that is because of the conditioning of the gender binary and patriarchy, right? Them as systems that a lot of us have internalized. And that's obviously generational work right there to do. But how do we begin to dissociate masculine and feminine traits um, from gender? Because these traits have historically been seen as either or and not traits that a single person could even have yeah the the question thank you for asking and it it, um you know i think like consciousness inquiry you know opening dialogue um it it seems almost as like a natural evolution i'm thinking about what's happening you know in the modern workplace and there's a lot of innovation in leadership that's about you know collaboration and giving time for deep creative dives, you know, like, okay, let's get everybody in the room. And then for four hours, we're just going to create and like, see what comes of it. That's making space for the feminine in the workplace. Right. And so I get that people would like want to maybe make it about gender, but I, my work is more in the deconstruction. So, yeah, you know, when I'm, addressing these things. I'm just, I'm educating. And, and sometimes talking about feminine masculine helps. And sometimes it doesn't like if, if I'm consulting with an organization and they're looking at innovating, I might know that they're softening They're you know, they're bringing in more collaboration. They, they want to know like the whole person, that's a reintegration of the feminine, whether or not I name that. And so all of these things are happening anyway. Um, and if it's like rubbing someone the wrong way, you know, it, it's not something that I think needs to be forced. Like we can talk about the, well, if I have a culture that's dominating or hierarchical and we're recognizing that it's not working, what traits and attributes do we want to bring in? Well, we want to bring in more relational, you know, opportunities. We want to bring in more collaboration. We want to give intuition some space. So like I said, it's happening, whether or not we call it feminine or masculine. I am seeing a lot of male identified people who are softening to like this, this concept of things that were historically feminine. And I want to name something else right here, because I think we're kind of like talking around it, but we have had a dominator culture. Like Mm -hmm. the culture itself, patriarchy itself is domination culture. And I would also call that separation culture. So in dominator or separation culture, somebody has access to resources, another person or somebody else doesn't. One group of people has power, another group of people doesn't. One group of people has access to land ownership, another group of people doesn't. And so that's a whole system, a whole consciousness structure that was built on domination and control. And I do mention this in the TEDx. 
But what we're moving toward is an era or uh, a future of connection, partnership ethos, and, and unity, ultimately, right? Yeah. So I want to like specifically call our consciousness to we need every single one of us needs to deconstruct the association between men and masculine and dominator. Men masculine does not equal dominator, even though like in a patriarchy, were men given privilege? Yes. Like did men take on dominating traits? Like, yes. But I know a lot of men who are really working hard to deconstruct Mm -hmm. dominator from who they are, like their, their inheritance of dominator. Like, so I had, I had some inheritance of dominator, you know, within me. And that was like, I climbed ladders. I learned to lead. I learned hierarchy. I learned, you know, that kind of structure. I learned to have all the answers or like the pressure to have all the answers that's dominator culture, right? So as a woman, I climbed these masculine hierarchical sort of ladders in the workplace. And then, you know, tried to act like I had it all together as a leader. (laughs) And like be in charge, right? Because that's, that's the model that we had until we wake up. And so I have dominator parts in me. And then I also have like, the victim parts in me, the, the parts that were victimized by dominator culture. And so you know, and those victimized parts of me are not characteristically feminine attributes, you know, and I think that we do kind of link those two sometimes like feminine weakness, feminine, like something I can take from, right? Like, there's a lot of, I guess, like, you know, the consciousness has been that feminine is weaker, or Mm -hmm. just there for the taking, you know, so we need to deconstruct and then reconstruct all of these like, matrices in our in our thoughts and in our behaviors um, so that we're like unpairing from the dominator culture and bringing both masculine and feminine back to consciousness so to me it's like I have less interest in discussing what has historically been and like trying not to step on toes and you know avoiding every freaking landmine because we're, we're sensitive because we're hurt. You know, we've been collectively hurt. And so I'm more interested in like, well, let's revolutionize the conversation. Like let's come to the table. And then, you know, I have one life lived experience. You have another, another person has another. So when we come to the table and we begin to share those, then we'll know, you know, what the culture needs. And then we can all work together to address that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for going through that and helping us to explore that a bit more. But I just have a question about the sacred masculine and how we can begin to reimagine the sacred masculine in the modern day world um, whilst living within patriarchy, which has sort of painted a specific image of masculinity for us, especially for men or for people who are more attuned or more in touch with the masculine in them how do we begin to separate the sacred masculine from that image of masculinity or masculine energy we have all been conditioned to believe in and essentially the gender binary we're in right now because i feel like this sort of space that we're in which is often led by women identifying people It is easier for us to grasp the concept of the sacred feminine, especially because the feminine has been suppressed for so long, ever since patriarchy has been established. So it's easier to see or to visualize or to understand the sacred feminine. I think a lot of people will struggle to see the sacred in masculine, in the masculine energy. So Mm -hmm. how do we begin to reimagine that? It's such a beautiful question and such a big question. And absolutely. And like that last part that you said that, you know, like we will grapple with this differently or we'll we'll maybe even have a harder time finding the sacred and masculine. I actually feel really sad for that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. you know, because I'll just speak from being like a female identified person as a woman, I want to know the masculine. Me too. I want the resurrection of the sacred masculine and the walk with 
I think this is actually like my second or third book. Like I'm drafting one book right now. And then, and then like, this is my memoir. Like my relationship with the masculine was a way bigger impact on my life than my relationship with the feminine. Yeah. Because it was so messed up. And in the figuring out of what is the masculine to me, I made a lot of mistakes. I projected. So I guess I'll, I'll speak about the how, um, probably from the binary as I, as I answer this question. Ultimately, it's a direct remembrance for everyone. Direct remembrance for everyone. So in this case, like you're saying, like we are going to have less examples of being able to look in our world and say, there's the sacred masculine. But I think it's also really dangerous. And I think we're projecting this onto men, like this pressure onto men to be the sacred masculine. Mm-hmm. So I want to say, yep. you know, as, as a woman, as you're reclaiming your sacred feminine, there's this really natural part of the path. And I put this in that pathway that ebook that I was telling you about. There's this really natural part of the path where we're like, okay, where's my sacred masculine partner? Where is he? Where's he going to show up now? And then we like want a man to come into our life and like prove men are sacred, masculinity is sacred, men won't hurt us. Uh, you know, a man's going to have it all figured out. Like you're going to have sacred sex. Like all these ideas <laughs> come really, I'll say naturally, right? And then it's like, yeah. well, you're setting yourself up for like one hell of a ride on on that, you know, that projection because- if we think about it, men have been afforded less time and space in the last few decades to know themselves, work on themselves, be in touch with their emotions, be in touch with their masculinity. Like really women have been socially afforded the the permission to go to therapy or like be a little messy or heal your trauma. Like it's, I, I think that there's less stigma when a woman's doing that than when a man's doing that still. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't made it culturally acceptable for men to be entering the space of self-rediscovery for very long at all. So the mythopoetic men's movement was like, I think like late 80s, 90s, you know, that kind of took off. But the amount of men that are doing that is still, I think, a pretty small percentage. And then the amount of men that are like doing that archetypal work and and in that work, it's typically a reclamation of like the four archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover. And there's a book by that title that I think is great for everyone to read, like regardless of gender, because it's a nice way to map those archetypes of the masculine within ourselves. And you can, you know, you can, I've used this as a woman to look at that and be like, oh, my inner masculine's doing that you know, and, and like, we've used that in women's groups. So, okay. So huge question. I'm trying to like rein it back in. So it's unfair of women to project this desire and longing onto men and masculine and then pressure men and masculine to be the sacred. So think about how ridiculous this is, but like we do it, but am I a walking example of the sacred feminine? No, I'm not an archetype. I'm a person with flaws, trauma, and like lots of complexities <laughs> and imperfections. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want anybody thinking that I am like a perfect sacred feminine archetype because holy crap, the pressure, right? So it's unfair for us to be like, okay, men, why aren't you the living embodiment of the sacred masculine? Well, lots of reasons, but like, let's, let's be, you know, a little bit more loving toward, toward one another and a little less pressuring for men. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a man. So I, I respect that. I don't want to, you know, speak for, can't really speak for anyone else. And, and generally men are going to have to like go through that, you know, King warrior, magician, lover, um, reclamation. And there's, you know, the mankind project is like either a national or an international organization for that. There's lots of like men's groups that are popping up, you know, I think another one's called sacred sons, you know, so these are like popping up and they're out there. But if I were to map the journey for men, it's like, yeah, you have to get in touch with your masculinity, right? And then men also have to heal their relationship with the feminine and the like holy mother. 
And until a man does that, it's called the mother wound. We all have one. All men have one because we haven't had access to the divine mother. And so it's like, well, what is that for me? And so a man also has to heal that. Mm -hmm. His projection is going to be, I want a woman who's going to give me access to the full range of the feminine. That's not something he's probably going to be conscious of that he's doing, but he's going to be doing that. And there's an energetic about that that continues to dominate and siphon from the feminine. And so it's a really big energy leak. Like I think it's a, it's a huge responsibility for men to heal both their relationship with the masculine and the feminine. And I'm talking about life's work. Like I'm talking about, you know, big life's work. But I'll conclude my answer by saying this. As a female identifying person, and I primarily have worked with women so far, the question that I ask women as we're trying not to project this idea of the sacred masculine onto men is, well, what is your devotional practice to the sacred masculine? Because if we're using the word sacred, we're also implying, you know, the divine. So what is your relationship? What is your devotional practice to rediscovering the sacred masculine for you? So if we're like looking for the reclamation of the sacred masculine, I need to find it in my heart. And I need to get in touch with like those parts. And this is years worth of work, like in my case. Of course, yeah. Where have I been hurt by the masculine? What were my assumptions of the masculine? Like there's a lot of anger inside of women. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of unresolved trauma regarding the masculine. And so we have to deal with that. And we have to come back to our direct remembrance of, well, what could this thing called the sacred masculine be? And you could call it the Holy Father, the divine masculine. You could call it various things depending on the day. Like your relationship with the divine father, that's a very um, specific invitation to heal your relationship with the Holy Father. That brings up biological father stuff. That brings up religious stuff. That brings up domination stuff. And so can you have a relationship with the Holy Father? What does that mean to you? And in this way, I think that... and I, I won't go into this because this has already been a long answer, but there's so much like beautiful reclamation of the template of the sacred masculine that is happening through women for this reason. Because in our cultural mapping, women have been reclaiming the feminine, and now a lot of women are ready to know the divine masculine. And when they realize, oh, I can't just project this onto a man and expect the divine masculine to walk in my door. I have to remember this myself. That's very powerful work, extremely powerful and important healing work on the planet. And it cannot be underestimated the amount of just like the feminine heart and, and graciousness. And it it is a full re templating. Mm -hmm. We need to, heal and clear the victimization from our fields in order to know this energetic. And so lastly, I will say that what happens is that we can become much more open-hearted and gentle with our men. Yeah. Um, and so if I, if I don't expect a man to be the emanation of the divine masculine, then I stop pressuring I actually receive far more love as a woman when I stop that silliness. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not conscious feminine to be shaming men around being divine. Like, you know, it's not, it's not evolved. <laughs> but it takes us time to figure these things out. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say, just talking about the sacred masculine has made me quite emotional <laughs> right now already. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I think currently I've been trying to align with, um, especially because I'm also quite guilty of expecting men to fit my image of what I see as the sacred masculine. And oftentimes thinking, well, if women have been able to, you know, explore these areas quite confidently, especially because we've been allowed to do so as we've been conditioned to be more expressive and more emotional and 
sensitive. Why haven't men been able to do that when they have been given this space by patriarchy, when in fact they haven't? <laughs> mm. They haven't been given that space to connect to the sacred masculine or feminine or just them as themselves as people. So talking about that right now in this conversation is just, yeah, yeah, really, really hit home. It's hitting home. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. So I want to, I want to speak to something here and this is set, like, in some ways, this is like the trickiest territory that I've traversed on this podcast. What am I about to say? It sucks to be, I'm like, oh, is that the right word? This is a lot to hold. Like, it's a lot to hold as a woman. And you're like, I have been doing this. Where is my match? Like, where is my, <laughs> sometimes it's like, where's my reward, you know? <laughs> and then I think that there's a great responsibility on women right now. And it feels like a privilege. And sometimes it feels like a fucking lot. And I don't know if I can say that word on your podcast. I'm sorry. Absolutely can. <laughs> Thank you. Is it fair? that we have to heal all our masculine-related trauma and then hold the frequency of that which we want to receive until a man can meet that? Is that fair? I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. And I have not experienced in my life, my energy is my responsibility. And so there are a lot of very tricky energetic exchanges that can happen on our way out of patriarchy. And as a woman, it is, it's almost easy to get sort of into traps of, well, I'm going to try out this sacred feminine thing. I've done this. And I'm going to partner with this man who doesn't get it yet. But if I'm sacred enough, it'll activate him into his masculinity. No, not going to work because he hasn't been activated in the ways that he needs to in his consciousness. Yeah. Also, this healing of the mother wound is so huge. If there was one thing I was going to say to women or young women, it's like, does he know how to heal? Has he done the work to heal his relationship with, with the Holy Mother? And if a man does not know his relationship to the Holy Mother or the Divine Feminine at this moment, if he has not even cracked opening that door, there's zero chance that I'm going to date him. Because my energy will get used up in his quest for the feminine. So it is an immense responsibility on women right now to know like the energetics of what we are and are not willing to get into. This is an entire other conversation. And this is really like the, the focus of my work in the past two years. So I'm like finding myself like wanting to say it all quickly and, and then just like knowing that there, there's this opening of this topic that we're not going to get to address here today. But our energy is our responsibility, women. The sovereignty of our energy in this walk is incredibly important. And when we know the value of our energy, when we know the value of our sex, when we know the value of our bodies which is like infinite value, like when we know and have these two in union within us, we hold a frequency, a template that activates the planet. So if you are no longer willing to settle, then somebody else is going to have to rise. And so I get that it is unfair or a lot of work or... <laughs> you know, we would uh, wish for a lot more support or help, you know, and I think that it's like, I have faith in men. Mm -hmm. I have faith in men and I have faith in what is going on in the off planet supports, like the, in the spiritual realms. I think this planet has a lot of support right now. And so it's not up to me to save men. It's not up to me to activate men. I'll hold space for a man when he pays me to do so, for sure. Like if a man wants to be my client, a thousand percent. I love men, but I'm not here to save them with my energy, with my body, with my sex, with my emotions. I'm not here to save them. And so that activates and elevates masculinity on the planet. Can you feel what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. I can feel all of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like when we know our energy then 
the planetary energy changes. Yeah. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I'm in such a great space right now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah, <laughs> for coming on today. And yes. I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. And I really do hope that somewhere down the line, you could come back on to the space and dive a bit more deeper because... I don't know, an hour or something is just not enough. <laughs> and I feel like... Yeah, we touched some... Yeah, we touched some great territory. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I think it's just been so insightful for me and also for the listeners to get a real breakdown of the feminine and masculine and how it really helps us go beyond not just a gender binary, but just binary thinking in general and the sort of structures which have been established based on those binaries that this is a either or world rather than a both and world yeah and that's like where I started right like let's remember that it does the feminine and the masculine that like creates the third thing like and so we're moving actually from the binary world to it's a trinity it's three things mother father child it's the trinity yeah. and that's the energy of, of what we're moving toward Thank you for listening to the Mindful of Everything podcast. If you felt that this episode and previous episodes resonated with you, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on any podcast platform. And to support the show further, donate at buymeacoffee forward slash mindfulagreetal. To watch Sarah's thought-provoking TEDx talk and schedule private work with her, visit sarahpoet.com. And to access all other episode resources, visit mindfuloveverything.com.